And look at that. We are back on the air for the first time in, uh, how long has it been since uh, we recorded together? Oh. I'd say it's been at least a year. It's impressive, though, we got back to this. Uh, for those tuning in, this is our second attempt at a podcast. The first one went very well and lasted quite a long time, but we took a break and we decided to come back with something new. Yeah, uh, if you want to imagine, we had like this year-long beef, uh, like this blood feud. <laughs> uh, go clearly, right ahead. I mean, clearly <laughs> you were a water nation and I was a fire nation, so I mean, really, what was going to happen? Yeah, well, of course, of course. Very apropos. But no, it's just logistics and uh, um, various various life events coming up or that came up. And, you know, it is yeah. what it is, but we're back. And I feel it's very fair that if you're listening to this and have never heard of our previous show, that's very possible, seeing as our previous show was not related to Avatar The Last Airbender, as this one currently is. And if you're listening to this show and going, what is Avatar The Last Airbender? Go watch it's, the show and come back? Yes, definitely watch the show and come back. Uh, we are big, big fans of the show. I mean, it's why we chose this show to sort of do a retrospective over um and yeah like i, I don't know it's, it's so rare <laughs> i, 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 I you had, had a great flow going i'm like yeah this retrospective and you're just like waiting for me to jump in and i'm like I, no, I, keep going. I love this <laughs> it's just it's i remember it's it's funny actually i remember seeing this recently uh we just passed the 10-year anniversary of the series finale of this show and so that mean that would mean I was seventeen when this show ended. Oh man, I'm old. Yeah, <laughs> we twenty nine in a few weeks. Jesus. There you go. Um, but it's it's cool because this is a show that was obviously it was a Nickelodeon show, right? And it was a show that was conceived for a young audience or a youngish audience. Yeah, and that becomes very obvious in these first two episodes. Uh, it it does, but. What I've always appreciated about this show, and it also, I think, it's maybe less obvious, but it gets more obvious as the series goes on, is that it's able to sort of approach issues that are maybe traditionally seen as reserved for an older crowd, but still framed in a in a in a way that's appropriate for young audiences and it's it's also just a really well written well designed well built show with an interesting world interesting characters interesting story no and that's it's very much so we both recently um have rewatched i know ryan you rewatched it a few times already like this isn't your like second go through this is actually i have not rewatched it since rewatching the original series which I probably did five years ago now, so I remember a lot of the overarching story and character development and big plot points, but I remember when we were coming up with the idea of doing the show, you had mentioned a specific episode, and I'm like, no idea which one you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I've I've rewatched this series a few times. Uh, yeah, most so recently, be... I think it was the end of last year. I okay, so it's saying. still pretty fresh, and I think it'll be a very interesting take, too, to go back after so many viewings, what you might point out that I might not. Uh, it also occurs to me, we have made one of the biggest faux pas in podcasting history. What have we done? We have not, not introduced done. ourselves. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, I, I spoiler, I already introduced you uh, as Ryan. Yeah, that's me. And I'm Drew. 
That's um, you. That's really all there is to us. We'll get to any, any, anything else like social media we'll get to later. Uh, but rusty. more importantly, really, I want to talk about the show a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, as by now you have read the title of the show in our podcast title, which we totally know and are still thinking of before we upload it this weekend or something. We have a name. Yep, it's right there on the podcast feed you are looking at as we speak and not in my imagination still. Yeah, it's it's out there. It's somewhere. No, it's tangible. It's here. We have it. Clearly, you're looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's uh, That's a great show name, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it was a great one. I'm really glad we both thought of that together as a team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm definitely. Mm-hmm. And if you were the fan who helped suggest the title of the show, thank you to you, too, because you know who you are if you exist. You may know who you are. <laughs> so why don't we get this thing started off? Hopefully every episode won't necessarily start with this much banter. We want to kind of get the... An, almost a little bit of an intro to this entire series of us podcasting before we get into the first episode of this entire series of this show. Yeah, we won't need to introduce it every single time, but... Oh uh, no, my plan was we record it now and we play this before every episode. This is our theme song. <laughs> 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 but, um... Uh, what was I going to say? Like... Maybe not everyone who's going to listen to this. I, I assume most people are fans of the show, are fans of the series, but maybe some aren't. So it's probably important to know a little bit about what it is, even though we didn't go into too much detail. We will, obviously, in a, in a short little while here. So, yeah, and we can go right into it. of course, there will be spoilers. So if you are a yes. first-time watcher, uh, ugh, I, I really I, I would love to make the show not fill spoilers. I would love to be able to talk about every episode as if it was our first time watching it, but it's such a big universe and there's so many things to discuss that because we know what happens, because we know where the story goes, there isn't really a way around that. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, we, we should put maybe a little disclaimer in the, uh, in the episode description. Just say, like, if you really want to not be spoiled, watch episode one and two um, well, even then i think it'll be tough because we're going to talk about like i know i already want to talk about a few of the characters and how they develop later on again vaguely but enough that it might ruin it for somebody true okay so. we are we are approaching this in the scope of the whole series we both seen it so it's just yeah. how it's probably going to be um yeah I, so I, really if, if you've been warned lose a few listeners because we're going to encourage you to go watch at for now i would say at least the original series, The Last Airbender, before getting into The Legend of Korra, which, of course, we also would like to get into when we're done with this. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Just because but... I, I, anyone listening now who has not watched the show, you are missing out on something really magical, and as we'll discuss in this episode, it does feel like it is really aimed at children, but you will cl- quickly and very clearly understand why it has gained a following with a less child age group as it has. Yeah, it's a great kid show, but it's also just a great show uh, in general. You know, set aside cartoon, set aside the sort of kiddishness of it. It does have those parts because it is a kid show. Like that's that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it really does come together in a very nice way, and that's why I'm still able to go back and watch it and enjoy it. Um, as an adult, and as someone who's seen this series before, still able to enjoy it. So I hope, uh, I hope we can do it justice in this in this series. 
Well said. And on that note, why don't you start us off with the synopsis provided by the fan wiki uh, for yes. the episode one of Avatar The Last Air. Yeah, book one, uh, Water, and that's it's called The Boy in the Iceberg. And so I'll read the overview out, and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss. <clears throat> While fishing, siblings Katara and Sokka discover Aang, a young boy frozen in an iceberg. After freeing him and his flying bison named Appa, they team, they learn his identity as an airbender, long thought extinct, and bring him back to their village in the Southern Water Tribe. After witnessing the beam of light that shot through the sky after the two broke through the ice, Zuko, exiled prince of the Fire Nation tasked with finding the long-lost Avatar to restore his honor, becomes intent on capturing him. While playing, Aang and Katara mistakenly trigger a booby trap in an ancient Fire Nation ship, revealing Aang's whereabouts to the nearby Zuko. And scene. That is a very, very intense description. I think I may have found a page with a slightly shorter version of that for the future. Um, oh, that, that I, would be good. I, I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, I'm listening, and I'm like, looking back, I'm like flipping through my notes, going back to the one I had, and I'm like, no, mine's mine's fairly long, but it's, I think it cuts off like uh, three or four sentences earlier. Um, well, maybe we're we're in two different ones then. Anyways, well, we're, I'm even thinking maybe next time we'll we'll sum it up ourselves, kind of thing, just to make it a little easier. Yeah, um, we can do that. <laughs> already, <laughs> oh. already refixing the show. Um, so of course, first episode. So of course, this describes the first episode. But I feel like one thing we should do, especially now with the first episode, is the uh-huh. opening to the show itself, which uh, is that thing you will hit skip on Netflix every time. But on the first episode, it really is a chance to summarize the world and what is happening in this world right now. Yes. Um, I even put it in my notes. It's it's very blunt. It's very to the point. It's here are the four ele- elements. Some people can control them. Only one person can control all of them. That person's missing, and we've been in a war for the last hundred years because the Fire Nation was all like, hey, we're the best, we decided. Yeah, um, I think overall, this the first episode, it's not the strongest episode of them all. I'd say far from it. It's still a little more like fluffy than plot-driven, but what it does do is it gives us the right amount of world-building, you know, Enough to give us an idea of what's going on with the bending, non-bending, sort of the, the where we're coming from in the last century, who's the Avatar, what can he do, what happened. But it's not full out laying it all out there for us. It's, it's giving us enough to want to watch the show mm-hmm. and want to learn more. And that's what, what's great is, right, is it's not getting everything explained to you right away, but just enough to pique your interest. Yeah, and I think this is a very common theme, uh, as as I, I will likely tend to do in future episodes, if even not today. I have a really big soft spot in my heart for shows like this, and when I say shows like this, I'm referring to the shows that are generally geared or pitched as a show for a younger audience, but tend to deliver very strong messages. Uh, mm-hmm. This would include things like Adventure Time, Bravest Warriors... Uh, Steven Universe, there's, there's tons of them out there, and I'm sure everyone has their favorites. I, even My Little Pony, as much as I never got into it, I know always mm-hmm. had that kind of audience. Um, and I think what always happens with these shows is they really start off, as you said, fluffy, because they really want to get people in, they want to make sure they know it's for children, and it's as these writers and as these directors and as these storytellers gain an audience that is so attached to these characters 
it allows them to wield them in a way where they can teach and show new things. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are parts of Avatar that get violent, that get dark, oh, yeah. that gets, you know, but you yeah. need to build a trust with these characters first and say, these who are, these who, these are who these people are, and this is why they're going to do the things that they do. Um, and I don't want to foreshadow too much, but there's even episodes that come up in, I even find the first book or the first season, you can call it, it's mm -hmm. a bit less than the later seasons. And I, again, without saying too much yet, but there's even a couple episodes here where you get that idea of you meet a character, you learn their motivations, and it's very rare that a kid's show is able to sort of give these characters that third dimension and, and really be able to explain their motivations, their flaws, their this, their that. And so getting the world building and, and you know, right away you meet Katara and Sokka. Katara's a waterbender, Sokka's not. Uh, they have their little, obviously, the sibling banter. And just, yeah. You know, you already get to know a bit of their personality. Sokka's a bit more of the, of the, of the Joker, and Katara's more, you know, little sister syndrome. And mm -hmm. so right away, you're in it, but you're not like, oh, I know everything already. Uh, what point do I have to go through? And even as much as in this scene, they really, and it's something the show does, and I realize looking at my notes now and with what you just said, I, it's in my notes, and I clearly pointed it out. My two things I wanted to bring up were that this that first opening scene, them sitting on the boat, their little bit of sibling banter, uh, it, it's a lot of, like, it's really a lot of Captain Exposition at Sokka just saying the super obvious things that would never be said out loud if it wasn't for the fact this is clearly a show for people watching it, let alone children. Yeah. But in this episode, and we get to it a lot of the end of the episode, and I think a little bit even in the second episode, we see both of them, what they really want. We see that third dimension to them, as mm -hmm. opposed to who we introduced uh, not too later, later is Zuko, who really doesn't get that third dimension for a long time. And it's almost, I don't even know if it's inadvertently foreshadowing or if they maybe really plan that this far in, a, uh, in advance, that they literally introduce a character, make them really 2D, really obvious. The little sister, she can waterbend. She's the more level-headed one. She's a little more, you know, like, I have goals. The brother, he's the funny one. He's, like, they really become 2D caricatures of everyday cartoon characters. Mm -hmm. And then in the next episode, the end of this episode, we're seeing them, uh, you know, getting ready for the potential Fire Nation attack. And Sokka's got the war paint, and he's ready, and he's like, he's serious. He's not like joking. And you have uh, you have Katara trying to go to the South Pole to learn to waterbend. She's almost about to leave her family to go follow her passion. It, it's mm -hmm. it's at that already a lot. And then we yeah. have Zuko, who like everyone else is. I have a goal. I'm going to do this thing. I'm super two-dimensional. And it's not till... I mean, you'll probably know better than I would, but isn't it until, like, the next book, or even the third book, that we even see him, like, evolve a bit? Um, I think it's... I think he does get some more development in this book. I will argue that I think they did a good job at setting him up as the primary antagonist. Obviously, later we find out he's not Mm -hmm. there's always there's like an upper antagonist i don't want to again i don't want to go into spoilers right away <laughs> i do but, the term upper antagonist yeah like there's a there's a final boss um <laughs> he is only but, a mid boss <laughs> but essentially i think it's less important to make the antagonist 
a 3D character right off the bat. I think Zuko is, in my opinion, one of the best written characters in this show. Oh, 100%. Um, but, but it's amazing that you, we both know that now, and rewatching this episode, I'm like, yeah, no, like I don't see that. But I think that also is a detriment to the, the show, is they make him so interesting by the end that you're like, yeah. Oh, I know where this is going. You can almost kind of see where this is going to go, and even yeah. then, they kind of surprise you a bit. I, I think I think it's less important to establish the scope of his identity right away. He has his motivation. He needs to catch the Avatar. He needs to restore his honor. Why? We don't exactly know yet. True. I like that they kind of leave that mystery, too. That's a really nice touch. But, Most shows would just be like, because, and he would go into his evil villain monologue. Here they go. Now we can leave a mystery for you. Yeah. But... At least we know, okay, he's coming for the Avatar, he wants to catch the Avatar, he has this reason. It's not entirely clear to us yet, it's the tip of the iceberg. But but it's enough for us to go off of in the first episode and say, okay, this this is the conflict that is impending. And I, I so I agree that Zuko isn't as fleshed out right away as Sokka, Katara, and honestly Aang to an extent is also maybe not given as much. There's still a lot of mystery surrounding him by the end of the first episode. I mean, we know right yeah. away he's the Avatar because obviously, you know, we get the exposition, but... We also get the title of the ep- of the show. Yeah, and obviously back then there was probably trailers, there was this, but the characters in the show don't know. Right? No, and that's, yeah, it doesn't even come up until the, I think, I... I... I'm having a moment. I just watched both episodes back to back, so I can't tell if it was right at the end of the first episode or the beginning of the second episode. Um, they, I think it comes up in the second episode. I, I really I'm think it is. I'm not mentioning it. Um, um, but they but yeah, do I, come across the, the Fire Nation ship at the end of the first episode. That's when you sort of, it opens the door to more exposition, how long mm-hmm. Aang's been in the iceberg, the conflict of the Fire Nation versus the other three nations. The, the air nomads sort of going extinct and, and we don't know exactly how that happened yet but we're still piecing together the world and i think they do a really good job of just again yeah, giving us little like, bits and pieces i feel like to go back to zuko like i said I, I really love that they don't flush him out because it lets them do it slowly and i think it's a very interesting thing to do they show us that they can do it with some characters and others they don't with the intention of doing it later i would assume or unless it was just a they didn't have that written yet. I don't really know what the writing process for a show like this was at the time. Um, yeah. But it is really nice how they're able to build the world and show things off. And I think the Fire Nation ship that was crashed there is a great one. It just It's this giant, dark monolith. It's even painted a little darker in the background than other objects are. Uh, mm-hmm. I, did, I did note a few things in the art style where, like, whenever they close up on someone's face, their mouth is always really interestingly animated and very expressive. Uh, like mm-hmm. when... Um, Katara, when, when Katara is yelling at uh, Sokka about the wanting to be a waterbender and like creates the avalanche, like it's a really interesting animation. I love it. Yeah, and and another thing that I know in terms of introducing characters is really your first introduction to Aang is you know he's a kid. He, he mm-hmm. right away he wants to go penguin sledding, and he's he's not really mature, which you wouldn't expect from a ten year old. Can we talk about um, the penguins for a split second though? I know you want to talk about the penguins. <laughs> Not even just the penguins. First of all, I fucking love penguins. But to also go off in a second about how I love the design of animals in this world, and I noticed they don't really bring it up in the first episode, and it becomes kind of a running joke in the later parts of the series. 
how every animal is two things. Yeah. Like, every animal is like, oh, that's a duck bear, or oh, that's a platypus bison. Like, nothing is just a standard animal. Like, even the penguins look like otters a bit. Yeah, there's always, like, a mix of two. And then at one point, I think there is, like, a bear, and it's like... And they're completely baffled. Like, oh, it's my bear's (laughs) birthday. Oh, you're a platypus bear. No, no, no. Oh, you're a skunk bear. No. You're a rhino bear? No, no, my bear. And they just, like, I can't, like... (laughs) What? I don't... What are you talking about? That's not a real thing. Uh, and it's nice. No, one of my favorite jokes in the entire series, to be very honest. Yeah. Well, on that tangent, the show does, like, even as it does get a bit more serious, a bit darker, there always are still those little moments of, like, tongue-in-cheek, uh, you know, kids' show, like Nickelodeon kids' show. It never loses its humor, uh, which is really nice, but it's still able to be a bit of a serious show. And I feel like even the humor evolves with time, and I think that comes with the, the, the evolution of the writing and the storytelling. Because in this episode, some of our biggest obvious laughs are like in the, when they first introduce Aang and Appa, who again, another amazing creature. Appa sneezes, this giant, gross, naughty booger. There yeah. was no reason for that. There was no like setup or punchline. It was just, oh, let's have Appa do something gross so kids can laugh at it. It's literally the proverbial poop joke. And they do yes. get a few of them in this episode. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Sokka's always going to be, like, the center of the comedy. Oh, he's the, the butt of the joke. <laughs> and and I think at first, also, we sort of, we're sort of introduced to Sokka as, like, you know, he wants to be taken seriously, but he really isn't, and it, it sort of shows, like, you know, again, he, all the men in the tribe have left, they've gone to war, he's there, he's trying his best, but dang it, he just, he's not, he can't do it, he's... Always, always something comes up and foils him in some way, whether it's Appa sneezing on him or there's one of the kids who's like, I gotta go, I gotta go to the bathroom. Again, potty humor. And again, Sokka has to be the one to deal with it. Uh, And there's another, there's two other moments I I noted as well. One of them is when Aang crashes his glider into his little watchtower. And there's that level of disappointment, like a kid, like breaking a kid's like sandcastle. Yeah. (laughs) And like he left that kid side of him out sometimes and then immediately tries to hide it. He does it again in the next episode when um, they get Oppa to finally fly for the first time. And he's like, oh my god, Katara, do you see this? He's flying. And she's just giving him the knowing look like, told you so. Like, I believed him yeah. the whole time. You're the one who doubted him. And yeah, you see yeah. that immediate defeat. But like, there's that joy of like, when you put a kid on a flying bison, who's not going to have a good time? Heck, you put me on a flying bison at the time of my life. Yeah, and... Um... Another thing I want to say is there is already a little bit of Aang and Katara sparks, I would say, right at, right in the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just little smiles and little, like, you know, when they say Aang was gone for a hundred years and is like, obviously, his whole tribe is supposedly extinct. I don't think he realizes that is true yet. But then he's like, oh, yeah, well, I got to meet episode. you. And there's a little bit of, oh, hmm, interesting. No, that is genuinely, um, we'll get to that, it's a much heavier episode, and I think it's fairly early on in the season, when he learns. Like, it's one thing to be told that, and it's kind of interesting how in most shows you would just state a fact, and a character would believe it. Here we have someone stating a fact, and him almost, like, not accepting it, he's almost just sort of ignoring it. Um, I don't want to tiptoe too much into the next episode, but I think a lot of the first episode is Aang just in denial of his situation. You know, he's not yeah. the Avatar. He never, he doesn't say he's the Avatar. Oh, he actually denies episode. it. He literally lies and says, oh, I knew the Avatar, but, yeah. you know, not directly. Like, I knew and a it, guy who knew him kind of thing. 
And in fact, at one point, they do set out or, or plan to set out on a journey, but the journey isn't anything to do with Aang. It's to find Katara, a waterbending master, so she can become a better waterbender. It has nothing to do with Aang. Like, that was their original mm-hmm. adventure. Or yeah, there's a, there's a few points, too. I, 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 hopefully in my notes I'll come across them more, but there's a lot of moments where uh, Aang is very self-sacrificing. He's very much put other people before himself. Like, he mm-hmm. wants to have fun, but more important than him having fun is other people getting what they want. And yeah. if that's something fun, even better. Like, when he, when, when you know, Katara's like, oh, we shouldn't get on that Fire Nation ship, or they've banned it, he literally says, like, the first thing like I want you to learn is don't show fear. Like, mm-hmm. let's go adventure and have fun, because being afraid, you're not going to learn something. He's imparting yeah. knowledge. He wants to teach. He wants to be there. Even when she says, like, oh, I'll help you catch a penguin if you teach me to waterbend, he goes, sure. Then he goes, well, how am I going to do that? I'm an airbender, not a waterbender. Mm-hmm. But his first instinct is, let me help you. And I mean, even in this, again, I think we're going to go back and forth between both episodes at this point. In the second episode, yeah. when he literally says, if I, sac- if, I, if, I, if I go with you, will you leave them alone? Literally, I'm going to self-sacrifice myself to save these people who literally just kicked me out of the tribe four minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. When he gives himself up to Zuko, who does finally uh, arrive to the Southern Water Tribe and is sort of ready to attack what essentially is just women and children at this point, and Sokka. Um, yeah. So Aang's like, obviously, I'm going to go with you. But what's great about that is that's sort of like the, I mean, in French, it's a bit like the élément déclencheur. I don't know how to translate to English, but it's sort of what sets off the rest of the show almost, because it's only when Aang is captured and is on Zuko's ship where not only do we sort of actualize the fact that Aang is the Avatar, but we also see that he's a very powerful airbender in his own right, not only is he without his staff and is still able to outduel and outmatch several grown men who have mm-hmm. theoretically had many more years of firebending training, but he is also able to duel Zuko, who you would assume has also had firebending training, but to a much higher level, being, you know, Prince Zuko. Yeah. Um, Which we don't even get to in this episode, really. I think I don't think they even allude to it much. I imagine. I think. I think Iroh does say it. By the way, Iroh. We haven't even talked about Iroh, who's oh, yeah, one of the worry. best I'm characters. Like, literally, like I keep rolling my notes <laughs> down, but I'm trying to keep like the word "uncle" at the top of the page so I can't lose it. Yes, but his uncle other, does he say the, the last major character. I think really besides the grandmother, who's kind of like yeah. she's basically yeah. just the grandmother character. There's nothing really. They don't even name her. I don't think really. Yeah. Name, do they? We don't. Uh, I think they do. I don't remember. I like we don't really see her very much in the series. But Iroh, we don't get a whole lot of him. But he, I know he does say Prince Zuko. Like, uh, you know, it's how he. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Him. So um, we have an idea that Zuko's royalty, but we don't know of whom. We don't know why he's all the way there. You know. Yeah, but again, yeah, yeah we do know he's a prince. Mystery. Yes, but Uncle Iroh. Again, I don't even think they call him Uncle Iroh this episode. We only ever call him Uncle. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, I should then. Well, then Zuko's uncle. No, Iroh, it's fine. Like I we, don't... we know his name, we can use it. I just, I totally like yeah. realized. Like I was writing down all the names that came up. So I'm terrible with names, so I need to bring down a lot. Like yeah. I really <laughs> peeked at my phone to remember how to pronounce Katara's name like four times. So I always want to say sure. Katara, which is from Mortal Kombat, which is not what we're talking about. Very different girl. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
But his uncle is such an amazing character, and right off the bat, we get that kind of a trope in some shows that he's the slacker. But is we then see that training scene where Zuko is like demanding to learn the more advanced skills, and he's saying like, "No, you're not ready. Like physically, yes, you can make fire, but there's more to it than that." He's the wise old sage while also being the kind of funny, silly one. And we see yeah. this in a lot of shows. I mean, like think about like any of the. If I can reference it quickly, Dragon Ball Z, any of Goku's teachers, uh, whether it be King Kai or um, Uncle sure. Roshi, they are yep. literally these like bumbling buffoon or pervy or like silly characters, but they are the master of their craft and they are imparting this amazing level of knowledge on someone. That's it. We don't we don't get that side of Iroh yet. He still is, like you said, sort of positioned as the sage, the master. Um, well, I don't know. Like the the moment where he finally says, "Fine, I'll train you with the advanced techniques," but first I have to eat my rose duck. Nom 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 nom. Well, that's you get true. You do get a bit of that. <laughs> you you kind of get the okay. You're you know what you're doing. You're the wise old man character, but you're kind of fun and silly. Like it, it it's a really obvious character, and I think painting him in that way in this episode helps make his development later on even cooler. Yes. It does, it does. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's definitely one of my favorite characters. Um, I, I also like the sort of tongue-in-cheekness that, if we're going into episode two now, which, uh, by the way, what, hang on, I'm going to get the name of it just to give the official... The Avatar Returns. So even then, you sort of get the idea that, like... Yeah, and again, okay, if you want to recap it, it's... Back. To recap it, it's... Uh, I mean, I'm literally looking at the summary here, which is like two lines. It's Zuko yeah, Dots the Water Tribe... Aang gives himself up and gets captured, and the journey begins as the two of them set out to go save. Yeah, um, and I like when Zuko sort of arrives and actually stands before Aang for the first time. He's like, but you're just a kid, and then Aang's like, well, you're a teenager. <laughs> and Again, it's like a, sort great, of... a great little, like, a well-written joke versus a, like, poop humor. And again, mm-hmm. it does set up these characters to remind us, because I think it's one of the biggest things, is reminding us that as much as the series will get very dark, that will deal with heavy things, these are still kids. Yeah, they're still young, young people who are, are oftentimes thrust in these positions that they don't necessarily... In fact, I would say all, you know, Aang, Sokka, Katara, Zuko, they're all thrust in these positions that is not expected of someone their age, and is also probably not something they... Want to. In fact, we learned that Aang didn't want to be the Avatar. He considers it a burden. And that's mm-hmm. why he ran away and he left for a hundred years. Um, is that he didn't, you know, he wanted to be a kid. He wanted to go penguin sledding and hang out with his friends and, and just, you know, be a kid. But he, this responsibility, this, this ultimate responsibility of all responsibilities was thrust upon him. Katara and Sokka, same deal. Their dad goes off to war. Sokka's now suddenly in charge of the tribe. Katara's suddenly in charge of the tribe. And Zuko, again, I don't want to go into too much, but he needs to regain his honor. Yeah. He's, you know, again, probably not a position he expected or thought he would be in. But here he is. And it leads in nice to my other point I liked was um, something I, I just put a little observation was how small that water tribe is. Like, you literally see the entire tribe during their arrival, and it's what, maybe like nine or ten women. A dozen kids, the grandmother, Katara, and Sokka. 
it's tiny i want to I, I like i like to assume that maybe there's also some animation limits there and i like to assume there's maybe a few more people in the background but it's it's still the idea it's a very small tribe but i kind of i kind of think it's intentional i think it's meant to show us how little these tribes have become how closed off these people have become like they say we haven't spoken to our brothers in the north for so many years because of the war that's true but these southern tribes and i i i think they even come up later on there's other villages in the in the south but they're also segregated they're also separated they're also torn apart and it just it's a side effect of this huge war the shifting of these nations and these worlds due to this hundred year war that Aang has been asleep through. Yeah, no, that's I think it. It's a, it's a really, it's a really simple visual to help us as viewers kind of like see the world building again. That's it. And I think that's so important. Still, we're still early on in the show and, and, and the show never stops world building. There's always more that we learn uh, about the world the, throughout this season, the next season, even up until the very end, you know, there's there's always things we learn about the lore and the history and what led us to this exact point. So, mm-hmm. and like I said, yes, there's times where they say, okay, this is this is the story of this person, this is the story of this tribe, this is the story of this battle. But there's also times where we just see it for ourselves and we put it together, and it I, I like it when the show treats us as competent adults and it doesn't feel the need to sort of like beat our faces in yeah, and again, with the fact that it is a show meant for kids it would make sense if they were to do that like i could see a small expositional line of look how smaller villages since the war we've all been separated and we're living in smaller groups and it's harder to fend for ourselves and there's been infighting they could just paint that on the walls and make it very obvious and say it out loud or when Aang comes to the village, why is it so small? Where is everybody? It used to be so many more people. But they don't yeah. have to. We, we have enough of the world built through the dialogue they've already had. And they can then, again, like they, the little things, like all the men are off to war. Well, you know, they, we, I need to train you all because your fathers are all out at war. Who's going to defend them while they're gone? It's me and you babies. Like, it's silly and funny, but it, again, it's, it's them reminding us that, hey... There's a war going on, and all the men in this tribe are now gone because of it. Yeah. Can we also talk about how great, just right off the bat, the fighting is? You know, d- with, with one know- exception. With one Before exception. Go- it, the music is so cheesy in that fight scene, I could not deal with it. It sets the mood right. Fine. I feel like it just, it's like, I know it gets better. I'm really certain it gets better. I remember it being better. But the music is just so like, really? Okay. Continue, but yes, the fighting. The fighting. <laughs> the is fighting's ridiculous. great. I wit like it, it. made me want to be a, a bender of some kind. I don't care, earth, air, water, fire. Just give me, give me one of those. Actually, so I quick, can do those quick cool pause. moves. Which one would you take? Oh God, I, I know think mine. air. Air, you get flight, right? Air, you can fly. Okay, I think that's I, pretty awesome. I definitely see that, and that definitely would have been my first go-to. But I definitely say it's earth bending for me. I feel like earthbending is the most functional, and I think that's the idea behind it, is that it's meant to be a functional type of bending. Oh yeah, if you look at all of them, I mean, air is definitely, like, its, its benefits are very much the transportation, the movement, and the agility. Water... Healing. Water could be the destructive healing. one, but they kind of give it that healing factor, which again, is kind of a mysticism thing versus a real-world application, but in this universe, it, I get it. It's interesting. Earth really water- is the, like, everyday worker, though, you are right. 
Yeah, and and it's weird because fire could is presented obviously in this show as the destructive one, but it could very much maybe not healing, but it could be like light and energy and uh, yeah. So they all Even, have their and again that's a, and that's another great moment. I totally you're right when he's training Zuko, Uncle Iroh. He says, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't come from your muscles, it comes from your breath. It's you breathing in and letting the fire be an extension of your body. He describes it in a beautiful way, that it's part of you, it's part of your chi, it's part of your energy, it's part of your breathing. Not, and I like that. Look how strong I am. And, and one thing the show does successfully is, yes, the main antagonist is the Fire Nation. They're the ones who attacked. They're the ones who are destroying the harmony of the world, but the show always does make sure to, to know that we know that firebending itself isn't evil. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, like it's not like Slytherin, right? Where you, you know, <laughs> Slytherin is is generally you're bad or you're, it is you're a really good comparison, right? Sorry. But yeah. but firebending is very much a beautiful art form, and and we meet we we do eventually meet good firebenders, and we meet good people who happen to be firebenders who happen to be caught up in 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 this war yeah and you know with iroh saying like yes it comes from the breath it's life it's your life force it's not just to destroy it's not just to like it's really it's it's inside you it's part of you it does go to show it's not like it's fire is not just this destructive force that's used to conquer to to overpower yeah which i think spoiler alert is why ultimately they do not succeed in taking over the world and destroying everything and becoming the rulers. I mean, they get close and they still have a large foothold. But I think is that a spoiler? It's a kids show. We know that the good guy's gonna win. The good guys win. That, that's, that's how kids shows work. I'm sorry that I don't. Th- I don't consider that a spoiler. Like, I think I think angry parents would write to Nickelodeon if <laughs> if, if if like ang. <laughs> And got defeated by by the the Fire Nation at the end. Oh, I would love to see the show that does that and really just tips the scales. Um, oh my god! Uh, to backtrack slightly though, uh, where we yeah, were, yeah, go go back. Uh, was so that there's that great moment where, uh, they're just like they've taken Ang. What are we gonna do, Sokka? We have to go after him. Like, and he's just like, I, like, are you coming with me or not? Like, I've already packed the boat. I've made this decision regardless of the fact that I knew you wanted to, I realize it's the right thing to do and I'm going to be a good guy. It's that moment of even though up until this point he has hated him, there has been no no animosity between the two of them. It's just been like, screw you, Aang. You were nothing but trouble. Get out of my village. Mm-hmm. Sokka sees like, you know what? He stood up for us. He was a good guy. I can stand up for the Fire Nation. Saving this guy who saved us is worth it. I think he also doesn't want to leave his sister behind. And and even though they bicker consistently, there's yeah. a very deep love between mm-hmm. the two of them. Definitely. Um, one thing I, I think we should mention, I know we're, we're, I don't know where we are on time, but one oh, thing I think we should mention work. is this, uh, the second episode is the first episode. We, I don't think they specifically explain what it is, but it's the first episode we see Aang in the Avatar state. Yes, I did um, want to get to that at some point, yes. When when he falls overboard and he's, he's unconscious, we, again, it's not described explicitly as the Avatar state. We learn this, I don't remember exactly when, but we do learn it later on. 
but he does sort of rise up. His eyes are glowing. He's waterbending, which immediately establishes him as the Avatar because he's the only, you know, only the Avatar can do that, can be an yeah. airbender, a waterbender, Earth. We don't really learn about earthbending until much later on. We know it exists, but we don't see it. Yeah, they bring it up um, very clearly, and again, the intro does also explain it a little bit. Yeah, but we do see that Aang is not just this kid. He's not just this earthbender. He is this... I, I don't think he was explicitly said as the Avatar yet, but we do know he's this. he, he is special. There's something, and I think yeah, everyone's just so sort that, of staring that, that, at like, what dream the... sequence that kind of hints at. Like, even when they first see him and he's sitting there cross-legged in the middle of that ice ball with a glow to him, it's like, that's, that's not a thing kids should do, is glow. That's a weird thing. That is weird. <laughs> and I also, like, just like on a totally semantic point here, what is in that tattoo? Like, they lear- we learn later that the arrows are a tattoo that they, like, are given when they master their training, or they've trained a certain point. Mm-hmm. I'm like... I don't like, know. I think... I think there's... I don't know. I think it's a lot to get into, but I, I do know that the show creators borrowed a lot from real life cultures, such as the traditional tattoos for Aang and his people, mm-hmm. uh, even all the different fighting styles. Like, you'll notice that firebenders, earthbenders, airbenders, waterbenders, they all have different styles of bending, and they're probably all borrowed from different real existing cultures the the architecture that we see in all the cities throughout the world so i think i think the tattoo i think it's sort of like a, it's a monk thing it's it's like you know your dedication to the craft your dedication oh to- yeah i totally get that my question mm-hmm. though is what are they putting in that tattoo that makes it glow like his eyes like that's such a weird like when you think oh you're going <laughs> like the eyes glowing makes sense like it's this avatar state you're embodying all this spirit but, like, why are the tattoos glowing? Like, okay, if I, I was going all, going all serious. Clothing, would that clothing glow also? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> uh, maybe that's a little bit of a... Again, I don't know if it's that a... was just an observation I had. Like, thinking of, like, again, we... Throughout this series, we are introduced through flashbacks and other forms, previous and other avatars that have existed and will exist. And bar the air nation none of them tend to mark themselves in a way that makes them glow more than just their eyes when they go into the avatar state no that's true I, so i'm not purely, sure purely from a design aesthetic and just a interesting <laughs> like let's nitpick something because we're we're gonna go into the show I, I wonder is like is there a special like like i wonder if there's some nerd who's really gone into the lore that we haven't even gone into that's like oh yeah there's a special flower that grows and they use the ink from it because it draws power from your chi and like some whole story as to why the ink glows i mean hey that's possible i i I know there's definitely uh people who who are much more savvy on that than we are oh yeah and i mean if if you are one of them listening to the show please let me know i want this answer oh yeah definitely i'd love to know i'd love to know uh i'm trying to just go through notes here and see if there's anything else i wanted to yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm hitting the end of my notes. The last thing, another one I wanted to bring up was I really like uh, the design of the soldiers for the Fire Nation army there, the ones that uh, Aang clearly beats the hell out of. Um, yeah. And again, even then, he beats them, but doesn't actually, like, hurt them. He, like, knocks them down. He, like, blows past them. He uses one of their uh, spiky head helmet head helmets, their spiky helmets upon his head to free his hands. 
Like, he's, he fights well, he, he's really skilled, but you can always see that he's not trying to hurt anyone. Like, even when he fights Zuko at the end there, he literally hits him into a wall three or four times using a mattress. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, but, at, like, it's also, you know, it's Aang, you know, not wanting to cause real damage to anyone, but it's also, I think it's also just a bit of the kids' show. Like, I don't think they want to depict anyone dying. Um, Again, I can it, agree, but if you watch even just the way that Zuko fights, as much as he doesn't land many hits, bar when he finally does knock Aang into the water. Sure, sure, he it, shoots to kill. Yeah, you can see there's, like, he is trying to hurt him, Aang is trying just to get away and escape. It's it's a really interesting bit of character detail that isn't incredibly obvious at first, unless you're really looking for it. Yeah, would you say that sort of this is Zuko pre-development where he does, you know, it goes back to what he was, you know, he was discussing with Iroh and he's is Zuko treats firebending as a weapon and not so much yeah. as an art form. A hundred percent. And, and, and I that's think this where is a great case of it, it's show not tell, and we're now seeing the result yeah. of what Iro taught him. You were trying to strike to kill or to hurt or to maim, and you failed. Albeit and, at the very end, he does land one hit, but it takes him the entire time. Yeah, and it's only when he does make that change that he becomes a better firebender in the process. And and this is one of those things that you probably don't realize. If mm-hmm. you're watching the show for the first time, you do have to go back and and rewatch it to sort of make that connection. But yeah, I definitely think right now we're not seeing Zuko at his finest as a as a firebender. I think because no, he's still locked in him, that. Yeah, and giving him that chance to grow and letting him develop as a character as well, which again makes him a lot more three dimensional, interesting, goes along with his training. Yeah. I, I agree, um, but Zuko's development is still to come. Like that, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't fault the show for not taking oh, no, no. the time with. I him don't ever want to make it sound like I'm faulting the show. I think it's, it, I think it's almost. I would, I would almost say, given how much I know about where the show goes, I think it's intentional that they set him up to fail and be two dimensional, so we don't think about him much. So when they do make him three dimensional, it's noticeable. By the way, I don't want to say that like I would never fault the show. I think it's a great show. It's one of my favorite oh, shows. Oh yeah, no. We both know it has its faults. It has its faults. Uh, the Great Divide is coming up. Guys, oh god, I look forward to that recording. That'll be a really intense <laughs> one. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, I, like that one. That one deserves its own episode. Well, not its own episode, but that one will come in time. Yeah. Um. But like, no, we're not here to say like this show is above criticism it's above fault um no if there's something that the show doesn't do well or i feel like at least that i feel the show doesn't do well or could have done better like i'll point it out definitely oh yeah no for sure i i, I just want to know like i'll tell you when i'm being critical of the show this is a thing i think is done well um, yes so looking at my notes we're nearing the end of the second episode and the last mm-hmm. thing i have besides the avatar state was something that happens in this episode that i think is so so cool and i just like it's such a small moment is when Katara accidentally freezes Sokka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she does this, like, she summons the water, she goes to attack, she misses and hits her brother. And then yeah. right away, her instinct is, let me learn from my mistake. Don't show fear, let me just do what I did, but facing the other way, and it'll work to my advantage. 
it is such a nice little bit of like her ingenuity, how smart she is, uh, and just how much of a quick learner she is. I think it's a really nice character trait while being a really fun moment in the show. Yeah, because uh, the way Katara is introduced as as a bender is she's still relatively new, but it's not so much because she's a bad waterbender. She just she again, no you trainer. see the she, sta- had no she had no trainer. She was the only waterbender in the Southern Water Tribe with the men being away. Presumably, there maybe was one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe their father is a waterbender. No, their um, mother was. And I don't their think mother. They... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, that's sorry, time. the mother. I don't want to go into that because that's a spoiler that I don't want to go into. Yeah, but no, um, the mother, we get to it a whole other thing, yeah. Yeah, but um, it gets to the point where she's she's not bad. She's just inexperienced. She has no one to learn from. And that sort of, again, it sets off. Now we're going to the Northern Water Tribe because Katara needs to learn waterbending. And obviously Aang needs to learn waterbending. Aang is... is Maybe reluctantly so, but he is accepting his destiny. He's the avatar. He needs to go on. Now he's encountered the Fire Nation directly. Mm-hmm. And maybe he's like, okay, I don't really want to do this, but now I actually have these friends. Yeah, Their it's... well-being directly impacts me fulfilling my destiny. Yeah, it's that kind of thing where it's like, you know what? I don't want to do this thing, but someone else is going to do it, so I might as well do it with them. Like. We've all sort of had those moments where it's like, oh, so-and-so wants to go see this band. I'm like, ugh, I like them, but if I really go see them, but, oh, he wants to go see them, and it's, I'll go with him. And you end up enjoying yourself, even though it's a band you would never admit to going to see. I took an excellent exactly. simple plan, and I always say, like, ugh, don't, I don't like them, and their music's terrible, but hey, when their songs come on, I tap my toes. That's it. That's it. I that is, see, you know. <laughs> and that comfortably it's... brings us to the end of the first two episodes. I think so. You know, we we know now, like, this, these first two episodes, I think they were actually, um, when they first came out, they were shown on the same night, and I think that was important, because the first episode is not bad, but it doesn't take us anywhere. Yeah, it's um, a lot of exposition, it's a lot of introductions, and it's the set, and I think we realized as we were talking how often we kept going, but in the second episode, because they really, yeah. the second episode really is the payoff. Exactly, and so at least, you know, with the first and second episode, being shown on the same night now we're left okay they have somewhere to go they have a, a mission a journey they have something to accomplish and they have someone you know chase that was Suzuko. you do see him at the end like okay we're we're gonna dust ourselves off lick our wounds and we're going after him and again even there we had a little bit of that humor which i think is kind of nice that zuko realizes it. it isn't just like a joke at his expense like when he gets knocked over by the boomerang yeah um, we get that moment where he's like, just dig us out and let's go. Like that mean I'm the boss order, like just underlings do a thing. And yeah. it shows them using fire to defrost their three other the three other guys, and he's like, When you're done that. And I think yeah. that like <laughs> it shows that like he's understanding. It shows that he has some character. It's like the first subtle hint that he's a little more than just the angry idiot. Because in another show he might just say that, they show that scene, the end. But this, they give him that extra line that kind of makes him a little more humanized and a little more, I don't know, there's something about it that makes him feel a little more real. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, it, I think they did a good job uh, with Zuko with, with uh, just setting him up. He's, he's a bad guy. He's, he's got a reason to sort of be chasing after the Avatar. He's, but he's human. 
He's exactly. Uh, you know, I he's think not that's, this diabolical the best way to put it. That's it. And we're um, reminded but, that he's still a teenager by Aang. We're reminded that he's still human in his last moment here when he loses and realizes he has to continue and he has a goal still. Um, and we uh, realize that he's not, you know, he's not living up to his full potential uh, through Iroh. Yeah. Through his uncle. So, you know, we do still get a lot of Zuko development, even if it's not explicitly told to us. No. And I think it's a, I think overall the first two episodes really are a great intro to the series. They really set it up. They really build this lovely narrative that gives us enough to be interested but doesn't paint the entire picture for us. And it kind of does give us a setup of, okay, we're going to go learn waterbending, but they say it earlier, he'll also have to learn earthbending and firebending eventually. So we know it isn't going to go, it's, it, there's, this isn't the end, this is just the first chapter, and again, going forward and knowing that each season is named after the, those three books, that were on book one, water, book two is earth, and book three is fire, it does really give you this larger image. Yeah, exactly. You get an idea of the scope, you get an idea of, of the world. Um, so no, it, it does a really good job of just getting us interested and giving every character that we've met so far a place to be and a place to go. Yeah. So, with that said, we have just recapped the first two episodes of the show on our podcast mm-hmm. that is totally has a name. Yeah. And we will encourage anyone who wants to add anything to reach out to us. I am at Boxless Thought on Twitter. I am at the word at RyanW.com. I still at, love that Twitter handle. Yeah, it's, it's confusing. At, at RyanW. I think I said that on the last that. show too, but there's someone else I follow who has the exact same thing where they are at, at there's something, and I'm always like, I love that. I am definitely not the first person to think that up. I don't know. It works. Yeah, it's fun. But yeah, let us know if there's something we missed. We would be happy to take the feedback. Uh, we'd ha- and we, like, if it's good, we'll... We'll discuss it at the beginning yeah. of the next at the beginning of the next uh, episode. We can always and if you uh, want to make like sure we see what you have to say, this podcast is on iTunes and iTunes takes reviews and we read every review. So if you leave a review and also a comment or a question, guarantee we're going to see it. Yeah, we're not perfect. Um, Says you. If, if there's something we yeah, if there's something we missed. Um, or please, please let us know. Um, you know, this is not the official commentary or anything like that. This are two guys' opinions, two guys' thoughts. Um, if you got a different opinion, please uh, share it. We're, we're happy to take it all in. Yep. On that note, have a wonderful rest of your day or night or whatever. Hell yeah. Hell yeah.